0: I've been asked to say a word, uh, so I'm going to say it now before I forget. Uh, about it. It's a very important event coming up on the Saturday 31st at the Brunei Lecture, Theatre in Soas. This is um, a special course on the beauty of classical and contemporary Persian music. There are flyers on the side. Jane's here if you have any questions. It's a great honour to uh, be asked to introduce our speaker this evening, uh, Dr. Hossein look, and she has uh, the, the Persian expression Saadi Mom comes to mind. Some uh, profundity, but uh, without least appearance of effort, he delves into uh, the secrets of uh, literature and spirituality of Iran and, for that matter, the West. I'm just going to um, read you it. Just uh, three or four lines from uh, Masnavi seem to me to sum up um, extremely eloquently uh, what he was saying at last time, uh, last Wednesday, that is, about uh, love as transformative force in, in uh, what uh, we experience from day to day, like transforms things. At the same time, it's all about, it seems to me, what Temenos is about and what Sacred art is about in Mon سوی شه از باغ شاقی آورند باغ بستان رو کجا آنجا برند خواست باغی که این فلک یک برگ موست بلکه آن مغز است و این دیگر چپوست بل نمی داری سوی آن باغ گام بوی افزون جوی و کن دفت زکام تا که آن بوم جازب جانت شود so uh, they bring boughs of trees to town. How can they bring a whole, a whole orchard a whole garden there especially a garden for which this uh, whole universe here is just like one leaf comparison we can say that that one is the kernel, this world just the pith. Won't you just take a step towards that garden, have another sniff, and it may rid you of your cold. It may be that that, that scent will attract your soul that way. It may be that scent will become a light to your eyes spiritual and physical um, so it's a great honor to introduce uh, Dr. Kamsi thank, thank, thank
1: you Mr. Bailey he is one of the scholars on, greatest scholars on Persian literature particularly concentrating on Rumi and uh, particularly on his uh, uh, refrains and sonnets, and uh, he is well-versed in all fields of Persian Sufism and mysticism. So, good evening to you once again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this last session of uh, discourses on Rumi. So far we have spoken about love, about perennial philosophy in Rumi, about <coughs> discourses of Rumi, and tonight our topic is a little bit more technical and I'm trying to avoid all uh, terminology, high terminology of science of letters to communicate what I want to say about the art of Rumi rather than the thoughts of Rumi. We are going to serve the cup of beauty, intellectual beauty tonight, just as Shelley wrote hymn to intellectual beauty. This is Rumi's hymn to intellectual beauty. (coughs) You know, (coughs) in literary criticism, There are different schools. Some more common and fashionable of them are five approaches to literary criticism, which I want to choose one of these five and to linger a little bit on that. First is the moralistic approach, when they want to evaluate a work of literature, or even art in general. Sometimes they evaluate it according to morality, how far it is in harmony with the morality of the society, with the morality in general, um, how are the characters, the ideas. That is moralistic approach. The second is psychological approach, more common and more appreciated by scholars, because the moralistic approach is often attributed to people who have certain uh, inclinations towards giving, um, interfering in everything with morality. And often they accuse or often they condemn certain books because of not being in harmony with morality, while it uh, has nothing to do with art. Art is beyond morality and immorality. Morality is uh, what the artist may use or may not use. But I'll tell you later that morality is an integrated part of all art, without any intention on the part of the artist, the artist who tries to raise their level of morality of people is no great artist. But the artist, when he is doing his job, if he does it well, he helps finally because he creates beauty and beauty is the guide, is the star, the fixed star that guides you to morality, to all dignity and the nobility. The second I said is psychological approach for example when they analyze or discuss about Hamlet they say how is it that he hesitates why he hesitates whether something in Shakespeare has created this idea of what is has to do with Shakespeare with uh, whether it is consistent with the other characters of the play um, See, these talks uh, under the influence of uh, Freud, mostly Freud, and partly Jung, uh, critics tended to evaluate works of literature on psychological, on psychological uh, considerations. Third is socialistic approach. Socialists, you know, they believe that this, the, a, a piece of work, I mean, an artistic work, whether literature or painting or what, or music, it is not created in a void. It is created not by, the, by that particular artist. It is created by the time, by the economic uh, system of the time, by the socialistic system of the time, by the government, by the relation between different classes of the society. So they, when they evaluate, they tend to analyze these things. One is the archetypal approach, which was devised by, uh, propagated by Jung. Uh, uh, he tried to give the basic ideas behind the stories, behind all literature, and to give the eternal pattern behind these diversity of forms. For example, the same story has a hundred and a thousand different forms in world literature. What is the archetype? What is the general idea? What is the eternal pattern? What is its uh, real relation what with human nature? But a fourth, a fifth school is the school of formalistic approach. Formalists, they believe that what is important in art, whether painting or music, in in music actually form is dominating, it is all form. Some people think that music is all form. Literature, these days, many scholars in Iran and outside, they believe that Literature is only form, meaning just a critics to create the form, the composition. And they believe that a musical, I mean a word composition, like a musical composition, which is just for the sake of itself, it doesn't necessarily have to offer any meaning. And they believe that good poetry has nothing to do with what the poet is saying. Of course, I don't agree with them, and I think that uh, they are, the formalists have a grain of truth, of course, in what they say. Um, all different uh, schools have a grain of truth, uh, but they have something to say. But people who look from a higher horizon, they can see all of them. That the psychology is right, sociology has its own share form has its own share, and tonight we are going to speak about Rumi. as far as the form of his poetry is concerned. And uh, some scholars believe that Rumi is a man of Sufism, a man of didactic poetry, a man of a master of mystical, theological, theosophical ideas, but he is not a master of art. He when it, he when he comes to uh, word composition he is careless and he is not he has not created such great pieces of art like Hafez or Saadi, who is the paragon of perfection in eloquence and beauty. I want to say it is not true. Rumi is a great artist and he is very careful although he often emphasizes that these forms I put away I am I relieve myself from all these forms and this this is the rhythm see is killing me I, I want to put them all aside the rhyme and the rhythm and the words everything and I want to speak with my beloved without words without sounds and outside of all these uh, involvements but at the same time when he is calling to his beloved to his Lord he says <laughs> I don't think about the rhyme but you think about it if you are drowned in, in the meaning drowned in love drowned in beauty then whatever you say is musical, is harmonious, automatically, spontaneously. Rumi is is not very careful to put this word or not that word, but the music comes with the idea when the idea is bringing Rumi to dance. He is dancing and speaking and spontaneously composing poetry. Some people even believe that first comes the rhythm, and then the ideas. He fills the the rhythm with ideas. You see, sometimes um, if somebody is playing some uh, rhythm, is beating, uh, you may enter the circle and start dancing. Your dance fills in the rhythm because the rhythm is ready, then you fill it with some melody. You, remi- you fill it with some ideas, you fill it with some meaning. You see, but uh, this is just like a container um, <coughs> empty, and it is ready for someone to put the water of meaning or the wine of meaning or the wine of uh, beauty into it so <coughs> At first, I have to give an introduction to the idea of form. Form is one of the most common concepts in literature. It is so vast, actually, hundreds and hundreds of books have to be written about form before you can understand something seriously about that and to come to know what is what. And it is very difficult to put people into picture when it comes to form, because so many different, sometimes, contradictory meanings. Sometimes form is depreciated, sometimes is appreciated. Form may be God, according to Aristotelian philosophy, form is the unity in everything. Everything which has a form, the form of it is different from the matter of it. For example, a pitcher, a goblet, a cup, a copy is a form. The matter is not important,
0: <coughs>
1: and the form is what gives unity and personality to a composition of material um, things. So, <coughs> sorry, just uh, lingered. Uh, I was speaking about the form as. Uh <coughs> I forgot all about that, because of the intoxication, <laughs> <laughs> I remember. One you of see. the
0: widespread concepts, I mean yes. some people deprecate it, and some people... Yes.
1: yes, you see, <clears throat> when uh, you speak of form, you speak of eternal realities, you speak finally of God, because God is the absolute form. Everything has some potentialities and some actualities. The actuality is the form. The potentiality is the matter. So the more you have actuality, you are farther from matter Un- until you come to God. God is full actuality and uh, no nothing in him to be to come from potentiality to actuality, he is full, perfect, and he is waiting nothing. This is one view. From another point of view, form, we say, what is this form? You have to go to meaning. Rumi's, Rumi says, be a friend with the meaning, because these forms are robbers, are thieves, these forms. Um, take you astray misguide you because uh, forms may be may look the same but the meaning far far different and uh, one of the greatest deceptions in the world Rumi says one of the greatest deceptions done by all imposters and charlatans and uh, people who uh, deceive And try to rob people of their uh, wealth. They all are disguising people or misguiding people, misleading people by form. So let us read one story, uh, the story of a parrot, and then we'll go back to other meanings of form. There was a grocer who had a parrot, a sweet-voiced green-talking parrot. Perched on the bench, it would watch over the shop in its master's absence and talk to the customers. Once, as it sprang, it sprang from the bench. Of course, he has a little bit abridged it, the translator, but uh, there are some other lines that once it happened that um, the grocer had gone home and when he came back a cat sprang from the bench and flew away. It spilled some bottles of rose rose oil. Its master came from his house and merchant wise seated himself at ease on the bench. Finding the bench wet with oil and his clothes greasy, he smote the parrot on the head and it was made bald by the blow. For some few days it refrained from a speech. The grocer repenting heaved deep sighs and tore his beard saying, Alas, the son of my prosperity is gone under the cloud would that my hand had been broken when i struck such a blow on the head of the sweet-tongued one he was giving presents to every dervish that he might get back to the speech of his bird the speech of his bird after three days and nights he was seated on the bench distraught and sorrowful like a man in, his dis- in despair, showing the bird every sort of marvels in the hope that maybe it would begin to speak, it would begin to speak. When a bareheaded dervish passed by, a bareheaded dervish like me <laughs> with bald head passed by, clad in jo- la- clad in, in rags. In, in Sufi dress, his head hairless at the outside of a bowl. Thereupon the parrot began to talk. Suddenly the parrot started talking. Oh, you, how did you come become bald? Is it true that you have also spilled oil? <laughs> the, the oil on the table? Thereupon the parrot began to talk, Screech! at the dervish and said hey fellow how were you mixed up with the bald, oh bald page did you then spill oil from the bottle the bystanders laughed at the parrots and in- inference because it deemed the wearer of the frock to be like itself you see so Rumi goes on to say that thousands and thousands and thousands of people are misguided and misled by these um, similarity of forms, because mm, uh, people in religion say, "What is he is a religious man? He is a, what is the meaning of he is a religious man? There are certain forms, and the forms can be assumed by anybody. Everybody can have can follow certain forms." So he deceives you that I am a man of God. While a man of God has no form, no particular dress. Some people have certain dress, white, a little bit uh, larger than usual, put a long hat on their head. These are forms. And these forms impress people and they show that what they actually are not (coughs) and Rumi says after these (coughs) poems I have not brought here that a monkey when he sees that somebody is praying stands beside him and does like that and he thinks that I am doing like him while uh, thousands of miles is different from what the monkey is doing and what the man of God is doing now (coughs) now I want to read a sonnet by Rumi to show you how the same meaning may have different, the, other, the opposite of the story of parrots. In parrots, um, <coughs> the form was the same. The form was the same. The meanings are different. Sometimes there are many, many forms very similar, but with different meanings. But the opposite is that there are different forms, but they all have one meaning. So that is the, the, the idea of diversity. You have to be able to accept diversity, go deep into the meaning, and then see that this form and that form and that form, although they seem different, but they are the same. So Rumi is calling his friends mourn arising friends early risers who is there that discovers the dawn who discovers us dancing in confusion like atoms because when a true morning comes you, are, you will rise to dance like the moats like the atoms in, th- in the air who has the luck to come to the brink of a river to drink water from the river and to discover the reflection of the moon? Somebody goes to the river he wants to take some water but suddenly he sees the moon in the water. The moon is a symbol of the Lord of God and, and he has to. He gets the idea oh there is a moon you see, so who is so lucky as to when he is going to do something very ordinary, he suddenly happens to see what he has to search for, the moon. Who is there like a jackal, from the shirt of Joseph, seeks the scent of his son, he asks to bring him the shirt of his son, so that he would smell. He smelled, and then his eyes was returned, his sight was returned. You see, it often happens that you uh, go for some ordinary, to do some very ordinary thing, and then something great happens to you. This is a great luck. Or a thirst like the Bedouin, Cast a bucket into the well, and in the bucket discover the beauty like an ass load of sugar. You, know the remem- you remember the story of Joseph in the Quran that uh, when the brothers throw him in the well, some Bedouins in a caravan, they are passing by, so they send down uh, the pail in order to get some water. And instead of water they brought up Joseph. How oh, what a great luck that you want to get some water and then some Joseph, the most beautiful, um, comes out of the of the well. Or like Moses. You see, they are different things, but they all gives a tiding, gives of a miracle, a miracle of grace of God. God's grace may come at every moment, in every form. Or like Moses seeking fire, who seeks out a bush, comes to gather the fire. According to the Quran, when Moses saw the fire, he said to his his wife, that let me go to the fire and bring you some um, flame so that you would become warm. But he went there and he saw the light of God. God was speaking from the fire. Sometimes you go to the fire and you see the light. Or like Moses seeking fire who seeks out of bush, comes to gather the fire and discovers hundred dawns and sunrises. Jesus leaps into the house to escape from the book the the foe. Suddenly from the house he discovered the passage to heaven. God he just running away from his foes into a small house and from there suddenly God brought him up to heaven. Or like a Solomon, he has split a fish. This is about Iranian's custom when they have uh, during no rules they, the traditionally, the traditional food for the night of No the New Year's day, is mahi, is fish. Why? Because in the in the in the belly of the fish there is a ring of Solomon. You have lost we, we, in the hope of in the hope of and refinding. And regaining our lost ring, we try to open the belly of a fish. Or like a Solomon, he splits a fish, and in the belly of that fish, he discovers a ring of gold, which is the ring of Solomon. The ring of Solomon is a symbol of our heart. We have lost our heart, and we have to go and fish Fishing is going to uh, the spiritual world. People who go fishing, finally, they become fish. According to a poem in English, uh, by Shelley: "If you go constantly go for, for fishing, finally, you become a fish and you go to the sea." Sword in hand, Omar, the friend of Muhammad. Omar, the second caliph, comes intending to slay the prophet. He said, I'll go and kill this man. He came there and he was devoted and he was attracted and he lost all his heart and he was one of the friends to the end of Muhammad. Sword in hand, Omar comes intending to slay the prophet. He falls into God's snare and discovers the kindly regard from both fortune. Or like Adam's son. See, this is the art of Rumi. He has so many images at hand. He is never short for any, for creating any new image for the same idea. And these are allusions. You know, allusion in poetry is one of the figures of speech. But it is more important than a figure of speech. I'll explain a little bit about uh, similarity and metaphor. People think that, well, similarity or simile or metaphor or metonymy, they are something very simple. Because you say, okay, her face is like a rose. Her eyes are shining like a star. This is simile. Or sometimes you say her, her two stars instead of saying like, you directly say the rose came, meaning my rose-faced fair mistress. This is metaphor. Metaphor is when you don't say this is like that. You say this and you mean that. Uh, or like, I will finish this, or like Adam's son he drives towards the deer to make the deer his prey and insect discovers another prey He was himself a prey to the to the deer because he was uh, going to prey the deer. The deer turned back and said, "Have you been created to follow me and to kill me? Is that the end of your creation?" He thought for a moment and then he stopped and he was. The prey of some great, great ideal, or like the thirsty oyster shell, he comes with gaping mouth. When you open the mouth in order to get some water, suddenly pearl instead of a drop of water, you get the pearl. So Rumi constantly plays with images, and these images are of great service in literature. Some people think that this is just some ornament for literature. You are saying something and then sometimes uh, in order to bring some um, charm to your poetry, you say, you assimilate or you compare two things together. It is not that simile and metaphor and metonymy and allusion it means identity sometimes you say A is B you don't know you see A but you don't see B I want, I put them together this is an equation X is equal to 4 you See X something different but when there is equation you come to know that X is equal to 5 X is equal to 3. Y or Y is equal to This is an uh, equation. The equation of literature is as important as the equations in mathematics. The poet, as William Blake says and Rumi says and all great poets have said, first has to ascend to heaven and to contemplate things which no one has ever seen he comes to a new consciousness and he is eager, he is desperate actually to communicate himself and to make people conscious, to make people aware, to give the news to people that I have been in such and such place. Like a person who has come from um, an exotic country everybody wants he wants to explain that i have been to such and such country the people were like that the poet first goes to heaven and he contemplates the angels the eternal forms the eternal truths and then when he comes back he thinks what can i say it is these facts these truths are inutterable ineffable ineffability is one of the characteristics of mystical experiences one is it is ineffable unless you just employ some image actually one of the great poets of uh, I think it is uh, W. Yeats or maybe Elliot I'm not sure that the, uh, the main job the main task of poet is to find an image or a collection of images in order to communicate he he sees something some similarity between his own experiences and these images so he offers these images in the hope that people would be involved in these forms and finally get something, some idea of what he has felt so if we compare literature to music which is actually music because it has all the elements of music the melody of literature is the meaning in music, melody is the meaning, is the idea, without the harmony, without the rhythm. The melody is a composition of some, some uh, sequence of notes that uh, later you put it into rhythm and you add some harmony. But that is the melody. The melody is the main idea, the basic idea. And if it is a good melody, you know, I think, One of the good signs is that the milkman can whistle it on the way. (laughs) That is a sure sign of a good melody, that everybody can whistle it. It's very simple, but it is very attractive and charming. It is inevitable actually. Everybody thinks, feels that you cannot change one single note. I remember how ignorant was the prince who said to Mozart, when Mozart was playing a piece of music, when it was finished, he said, how was it? He said, well, too many notes. (laughs) Too many notes. Mozart said, one single note you cannot add, one single note you cannot omit, because it is inevitable. Literature and poetry and music and all good art comes to a level when it is inevitable. You don't want to make any change. Everybody wants to keep it as it is. This is Quran is inevitable. Rumi is in many cases inevitable. You cannot find. If you search and search and search, you cannot find a better word. It, even the best men of letter cannot change one single word. Of that piece which has risen to the level of, uh, you could say, sublime. In literature, they call it sublime. Sublime is when you arrive to the, uh, you have access to the eternal form, and that form, without any fault, pure and clear, comes to your mind. This is the melody. In poetry, melody is the meaning some great meaning, some great truths comes to the heart of Molanam to, ha- to the heart of Rumi. He finds that God is jealous, for example. God is more jealous than you. And his jealousy is very serious because if he finds you with someone else, he will get it from you. He will uh, deprive you and you may ask why he, is, he, he does not do a good job, because we, we want our mistress, we want our friends. How is it that he, if he finds us with someone else? What someone else means, someone who is not a man of God, who is not a good person. If you are with a good person, you are with God. If you are with your mistress for the sake of beauty, for the sake of goodness, for the... S- on the basis of justice, then you are with God. So God is not jealous with you. So this idea, when it comes to the mind of the poet, then he tries to give it a form. And, and he. what is the rhythm then? The rhythm is because the idea is so full of joy. The idea is so delighting, delightful, you have to dance. So you have to give it a, a rhythm. And that rhythm is light and lively and gay. It is not um, a, a gloomy. Of course we don't have any gloomy rhythm because all rhythms um, are happy. Rhythm actually means happiness. Rhythm at least it means hope. At least it means It gives you some good promise. Because rhythm means everything is okay. People don't know that. If you are in a real tragedy, you cannot play any rhythm. Rhythm in poetry, in music, there is no sad music. People say, is that a sad part of the music or the happy part? Uh, All is happy part. There is no sad part of music. Music is all happiness. It comes from the, the uh, realm of hope, the realm of beauty, the realm of delight, the realm of happiness. True music, like Handel, for example, it's, it's coming from paradise. So, rhythm may be more lively, more you may contemplate, sometimes it is more uh, for good for contemplation, sometimes good for dancing, Uh, When it is very slow, you see, one, two, three, four, you have time to think about it. You see, you are moving, but you are happy. You don't lose any hope. We don't have any sad mood in music. So all the music, even the poetry of uh, Nosfer Fosro. Somebody asked me, how is it that people don't like Nasser Khosru as much as Hafez? And I said, partly it is because of the rhythm. Rhythm is heavy. It's contemplative. It is not lively and jolly as it is that of Rumi. I have changed uh, some of the rhythms of Rumi into certain forms in painting. I'll show you. That, you see? Since they turn round and round, this is one, uh, one of the rhythms. Actually, three form of poetry can come into this uh, circle. You see, it is like this: a a shagun, a a shagun, m rooz You see, dum dum da dum, dum dum da dum, dum dum da dum, dum dum da dum. You see saw dum dum you can dance with it, but if you start from here dum 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 dum, you put two first. da dum 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 see so they're all full of joy, full of delight and uh, No one more than Rumi has created forms. He has almost used all the forms, um, I mean all the rhythms he has uh, as a heritage of Persian literature he has got. But he has added, he has added some new rhythms. I will explain when next, in my next lecture, uh, how, what are the rhythms created by Rumi. Mm. One actually is created by Sadi, which is perfect, most beautiful, and Rumi has used it, but has not made a great job of it. Sadi is more famous in that rhythm. So, the, in literature, music, if it is if compared to music, the melody is the meaning, the rhythm is the mood, you're happy. Your thoughtful mood and the harmony is the figures of the speech. Many of the figures of the speech are the harmony because it is in full harmony with the idea. So you are explaining about some truth, and then it is it has its own rhythm, and then you choose the words you harmonize the sound of the poetry with the idea. (coughs) People who don't believe in meaning, they don't believe in mysticism, they don't believe in God, they don't believe in spirituality, they say that, well, Rumi has not done a great job, only he has expressed his own happiness in some musical sounds, and the sounds are important. Office is a collection of sounds. Office is a music maker, with, is a composer with words, a composer with sounds. And they don't think that if there is no meaning, no form would be crystallized. Form is the crystallization of some meaning. When you are happy, then you dance. Then your dance has a harmony, a rhythm. But if you are not happy, like the dance of a bear, of a bear, sorry, of a bear, In uh, when an animal is dancing, it is not because it's happy, it doesn't understand the rhythm. It's just certain movements, the poetry of people who do not get the idea, get the meaning. And then create the form. They change this word with that word and then um, they say he is a great, he has a good ear for sounds and he has good eye for the words and alliteration and assonance and uh, dissonance and things like that. They, are, they try to give it some impetus, give it some charm while there is no meaning. And they don't see that none of uh, their poetry has become popular. People don't read them. Rumi has created so many uh, memorable phrases. They are very beautiful, memorable phrases and that even people who do not are illiterate, they can recite it. Shakespeare has given the most popular quotations to English people. There are so many that some people think that Shakespeare um, has not done a great job. He has just connected some popular quotations and uh, turned them into plays. Uh, But uh, so the third part I want to linger a little bit on on the third one which is uh, the harmony, the harmony of the music. I will read two or three pieces um, if we have time enough, of course. Let me read this first. I am a painter, a picture maker. Every moment I fashion an idol, then before you I melt away all the idols. You see, every moment you see the mistress and you make a painting and you say no it is not he, it is not she and then you destroy it because you you yourself understand that this is not a mirror before your mistress I raise up a hundred images and mingle them with the spirit when I see your image I cast them in the fire you are the winternaire Vintner, soggy, or the enemy of the sober or the one who lays waste every house I build whatever house I build for myself to live in you destroy it, you make it ruined. and this last piece um, uh, is again about the different forms of happiness do not grieve ever any joy that has gone forever. Be- people are constantly uh, s- sorrowful about the joys they have had once a time, once upon a time. said, well, we were young and we could do this and do that, and what a good time it was. But Rumi says, never grieve uh, over any joy that has gone forever for it will return to you in another form. Know that for sure. Did not the child find joy in its nursing and, its, and in milk? When the child was weaned from milk, the joy came from wine and honey. This joy is an unqualified thing. The meaning is unqualified, no color, no form, Nothing at all, but it can come to every quantity, every quality, every form, every color. The joy is unqualified thing which enters various forms, moves from box to box between water and clay. It suddenly displays its grace in the water of the rain, again enters into the rose bed and lifts its head from the earth. He just rises. If you look at the flower, you suddenly see that, well, he has come up to tell you something. Say, hello, how are you? I am the same joy you once used to uh, have. Uh, This is a new form of that. So there is a verse in the Quran that God's atvar means diversity and um, plurality of form is infinite. Every moment he has a new form. So you will never get bored with it. Every moment you will see him in a new form. He is ever fresh. Every time, every new time you think about him, something new happens to you. It is not an old God. It is true that English people say God is a good gentleman an old gentleman but he is not old he is young and every moment just like a young boy shows a new face a shining morning face not it comes now it comes by water and by way of bread and meat now by way of beauty now by way of horse and saddle from behind these veils, suddenly one day, it peeps and shatters all the idols that which that, which is neither that nor this. And in, in the end, when uh, you experience all different forms, he suddenly comes out of all forms, and in one moment, you see him without form, the formless uh, beloved the formless mistress. You can't imagine what it happens. It happens that you see sometimes that this was God. What was the color? I don't know. What was the form? I don't know. But I know that he was God. God is behind everything. Everything hides God by its form. But when the form goes away and all the forms go go away, what remains is the face of God. And the, the, I mean, fortunate people are those who can see beauty rather than the beautiful. Oscar Wilde said, uh, says, some people see ugly things in a piece of beauty. They are corrupt because they look at some beautiful thing and they think about how much I can sell it more, I can, what can I do, how I can um, handle it and make it a business for myself. They are, they have ugly ideas about a thing of beauty. Some people see the thing of beauty and they see the thing of beauty. There is hope for them. And some people, rare people, look at the thing of beauty And then they see the beauty, as a thing of beauty, the beautiful, and then they find beauty in general. They understand what is beauty. Beauty without form, without any uh, limitation, without any color. That is beauty. When you get acquainted with beauty, then you are free from this beautiful or that beautiful. You are acquainted with beauty itself with the essence of beauty. And uh, I don't know how much time I have, Uh, five minutes. okay. so I will, there were so many things I wanted to read for you, but I will come to an end. There is a very fine piece in Masnavi, You cannot imagine that how beautiful an idea is in such beautiful rhythm. This is full of rhythm, full of music. And then he says that the lovers he bring all the harmonies. He wants to say that lovers are students. But not in the University of Oxford or in, uh, in Harvard University. They are in the University of their beloved. They look at the face of their beloved, and they, he teaches them. He is the madaris, the professor and the teacher. And then, since it is talking of teaching, then he brings all the words related to teaching: dastaro, the book, darso, sabakshan, ruye us. Since they are teach getting the lesson from their beloved, so they, their book is the face, their notebook is the face, their table, white table is, the, is um, uh, the face of their beloved. So everything, the pen is the face of their beloved, the look of their beloved. And then, there are students, but they have kept silent and they don't say anything. But they, sh- they shout, actually, the shout of their repetition, I mean, repeating, uh, goes to the throne of their beloved. What, they le- what lessons do they take? They take the lesson of love, the lesson of madness, the lesson of revelry, the lesson of inebriation, the lesson of intoxication. These are the lessons. Not highly philosophical has to go with Not they don't think about ziyadat is a mathematical question. They are trying to disprove infinity and the, and the chain of. Um, Cause and effect. They say, but well, this is an effect. This is the cause. The cause. The cause. And then it doesn't go to infinity. So since infinity is rejected, so there must be a primal cause. So that is God. So this is the way they want to prove God. While they are in the presence of their beloved, and they are dancing, and they don't need to think about the chain. They take the chain of her hair. If there is a chain, uh, is the hair and if there is any door door is a philosophical problem that they say a is the cause of b and then you say b is the cause of a they say it is rejected this is door door is vicious circle it is a vicious circle it's like a yeah so um, you see how much harmony he has brought into his poem while he is speaking about the lessons of uh, the the lovers. (coughs) At the end, I want to... just uh, a few lines. Rumi's idea about beauty. That beauty is something more important than anything else. Beauty is the key to, like love, because even love is the son of beauty. Love goes to beauty because love is blind. It goes to beauty so that beauty is a physician, a physician of the eye, and he gives sight to love. It is beauty that gives sight to love. Otherwise, um, lovers are blind. So what does Rumi say about uh, beauty? It is wonderful. You cannot find it in any other. Of course, there are very beautiful things. al Arabi says, beauty is sacred. It is fantastic that he says, um, I happen to see a Jewish girl and her Torah, his Bible, her Bible was her legs. I could recite the legs. Mm. He said, I could recite respectfully the legs to understand the Bible. You see? So it is sacred, actually, beauty, in whatever form it is, it is sacred. So Rumi says, oh, my uh, Lord, now that you have made the whole world like paradise. Please um, issue some commandments. Issue a commandment that no envy would ever have its poisonous effect on people. <coughs> issue that issue another commandment that no thorn would tear people to pieces like a dagger, because thorns are like dagger. Make them repent of their thornship, so that they would not be torn anymore. They would not be dagger anymore. Let no not a single leaf come down from a tree and become faded and yellow. Make another commandment, and he c- continues to say, issue such commandments, such commandments, so that the world would be better and better and better. And then finally, he says, even if you don't make any, any uh, commandments, your very beauty will, would spontaneously, automatically do all these jobs. Because beauty will change your mind to be like a dagger. Beauty would uh, stop all things from getting faded. It gives you all the time freshness and liveliness beauty is uh, beauty removes all poison of jealousy and all um, spurns and everything which is no good beauty will remove it so it is not necessary that you make such commandments uh, only we look at your beauty and these commandments are automatically issued
0: Thank you very much.: well, many thanks to uh, Dr. Kofi, we do hope he'll be back with us really soon. I don't think we ought to let him go. Uh, in Arabic and Persian word well, host means both beauty and uh, goodness, and we've had lots of it in this uh, lecture, uh, have we any questions, please?
2: Can you speak a bit louder, please? Yeah. So just well, slowly. When we were talking about the form. We talked about the profound sentence, here, and the profound sentence said that the form, the last form, uh, is uneditable, so we can't edit it. And 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 then uh, you, somehow you open uh, the discourse to the modern. Uh, static, because the modern static, basically the whole idea of 20th century is playing with form: Dadaism, and Surrealism, Cubism, uh, Expressionism. All of these are based on form. But what you are saying basically, you challenge the whole uh, 19th and 20th century of the Western idea of of, of form, and then uh, it seems to be the way that. Uh, you describe the form uh, in terms of mathematical permutation. Um, If you think every single artist is constructed from the gene and the gene every 2,000 or 3,000 will be repeated. So we had similar artists that exist now 2,000 years ago with the same idea. It seems to be a spiritual uh, uh, person that is going through the kind of a special development of art, or form, eventually go back to the original form. So therefore, water, fire, air has no form, and we go back to that original form that you call it God. So is that a good interpretation, or you have different meanings? So the archetypes are different in in your mind, in your interpretation. Mm.
1: Would you explain
2: for me the first? I'm I'm was saying, uh, yeah. Yeah. What <laughs> I was saying
1: you uh, ordered, uh, uh, no, 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 it's not that uh, the no,
2: it's, not no, it's the jazzy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> In <laughs> Farsi, <farcee, laughs> uh, I am listening. In terms of the riazi, have come in و یه, اه, یه فرم اسپیچوال بر گرده به فرمای اصلی فرمای اصلی هیچ فرم ندارن بازی قرنویستوم بازی با فرم بود مثل هوا هستن مثل آب هستن مثل آتش هستن و بعد این این مسئله میتونه یه چلنگ باشه برای قرنویستوم با. که قرنویستوم تمام در دردیر فرم شدن و از فرم خارج نشدن آیا شما هم این مشکل رو میبینید در yes. فرم بله،
1: یس I think that postmodern is actually coping with this idea. It is actually going back to um, a more enlightened idea about form, because, as you said, in the 20th century, even in the middle of the 20th century, uh, people were playing with forms. and. Uh, now postmodern doesn't believe that form is limited in any all forms go back to uh, an ideal form which is uh, beyond uh, size, beyond uh, quantity, beyond even quality, it is just as you said, it goes into the air, it goes back to the elements, to the elements of the world so I think that um, in postmodern, we are going to have a better sense of form because one of the uh, grievings, grievances of Dr. Rain, uh, one of his complaints was that people are losing their sense of form. And we have to regain our paradise lost because form in, in the true sense of the word, not in the form of uh, just as playthings that everybody is playing with it and trying to deceive other people with some sort of forms. Forms in politics, forms in religion, forms in these are not forms. Form is in this uh, in the Aristotelian idea, is the is the sacred thing. Form is eternal. God is the final form and everything is compared with that final form. So the nearer the artist becomes to that um, final form, then he is at peace with other people because he knows the real form and he is not in challenge or in, um, against any particular form. For example, when you get the idea of religion, then you are not against this. This has his own religion. This has, you, you don't you don't argue about the forms but when the meaning doesn't exist it is the story um, let me tell you this story I wanted to say that four people one from Persia one from Arab one Arab and one Roman and one Turkish they were traveling somebody gave them one coin to buy something. So they wanted to share it. And Rumi, look here, that Rumi had done a very fantastic job. Um, When he speaks of the Persian, he uses all Persian words. Go, far, see, gofta. They were arguing what to do with it. The Persian said it's better that we buy angur. But in Persian, you see that all the words are Persian. فارسی گفتا از این چون واریم هم بیا کین را به انگوری دهیم. it's pure persian like pure anglosaxon word you see it's pure persian آن عرب گفت معاذ when he is talking of the arab then he he uses arabic word معاذ من انب نه the turkish آن یکی کس ترک بود the Arabs said, Well I don't want Angur, I want Enab. Well Enab means Angur. Enab is the same. The Turkish said, No, 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 I want neither Enab nor Angur. I want Uzum. A guzum. A Cheshwaman and K he torch. Both Guzum. Man enab. enabaham. Uzum. Uzum means and the Romans the Roman said, Stafi, no, I don't want each of them. The, the Greek See? So this is Uh, They are arguing, idle arguing, and futile arguing about forms. Forms, While Angur, the reality, is the same. When the artist goes to the reality, he doesn't have any clash with the forms. He sees the reality in every form. Rumi said, I want two eyes, I I am devoted to the eyes that look at people and knows the king at every dress. You know that he is a king, whether he is in Iraq, he is a king. So, the artist, as you said, uh, when he approaches the true meaning of the form and the reality of the form, then these outward forms, these diversities, which is the source of so much war and clash, between people and so many people have been killed and burned alive in fire just because of form, of these forms while the forms were the same, the Christian the, the Crusades for example the Christian and Muslim, why they were fighting against each other, they could be friends, they have good books, they have good scientists, they could be friends with each other, you see it is because of those people who were fighting for the form that this is the form of prayer, you have to stand like this, you have to do like that, you, you have to, in, in Ramadan you have to rest, at this moment you have to stop eating, at that moment you have to restart. See, these forms are, um, in get people in involved, and uh, waste the time. And that is why Hafiz uh, says, <coughs> the war of 2072, different nations and religions excuse them all because they are ignorant they have not seen the Angour if you see the anggur, then you say, yes it is my it is um, what I want
0: yeah. well, does it, may, may I just touch on one more dimension from, from the religious point of view if you like that um, what's characteristic of this world and one of the reasons why we need art that means something is that nothing is exactly what it appears to be what's characteristic of the spiritual world of the next world is everything is exactly what it means to be so there isn't this contrast this clash between form and meaning so we say at the resurrection a person is resurrected with their inner meanings of who they were what they do that's, where you, that's what you take with you to the, to the next world not what you have to look like here didn't
1: matter anymore. I a man mandi, not generous, who is not noble, who has no dignity, he This is sad. in his form. And I let me this last word say that for Rumi meaning is God. Al-Mani Allah, meaning is God. and form is God, because at the f- highest level, the form and meaning merge together to create one thing. He is all form. He is all um, meaning. And all meanings come from that single form.) So.
0: we to thank uh, Dr. Khamshi one more time, and we uh, hope and pray that you'll be back very soon. We need, we need you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>